This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Wednesday, November 23rd. I'm Julia Caulfield. In today's headlines, Telluride takes step to finance Voodoo Housing Project, Listening Club explores the 12 dreams of Dr. Sardonicus, things fall into place with Health Access Facilitator and a Mountain Weather Forecast. But first, a large boulder the size of a small boulder fell into the spur on Wednesday morning. Public works responded immediately and began clearing debris. No one was injured in the fall, but the bike path above the road sustained more significant damage. The bike path will be closed until further notice. Telluride Town Council took a step towards financing and lowering the cost on the Voodoo Housing Project this week by leasing the land and the project to the Telluride Housing Authority. It's a fiscally responsible thing to do at this time. Um, Doing so through an emergency ordinance allows the referendum period to run until late December and allows us to close on the bank qualified portion of the revenue bond in 2022. The other revenue bonds that are going to fund the project can be funded in 2023. That's Program Director Lance McDonald speaking at a special town council meeting this week. The idea of conveying the land lease to THA for the purposes of owning and operating a facility, an affordable housing facility, is similar to what we used in the Virginia Placer, where there's a 100-year land lease that was granted to THA for the footprints of those buildings. The remainder of the property is owned by the town Telluride at the Virginia Placer. In this instance, we'll be conveying the entire parcel uh, that was was the subject of the HARC approval and the PNZ subdivision and PUD approvals to THA. McDonald notes with the land lease, the Telluride Housing Authority will be able to get a lower interest rate on one third of the debt for the project. In a nutshell, that would save the town or THA approximately five to six hundred thousand dollars over the term of the in term of the term of the indebtedness, which is about approximately 20 to 30 years. Telluride Town Attorney Kevin Geiger stresses the limited nature of the action Town Council is taking. All you're really doing is providing a land lease for the property now owned by the Town of Telluride. You're, you're conveying or transferring that interest to THA. So THA, Telluride Housing Authority, can then do the requisite financing that we need to do. The town could not do the same financing that that THA can do without going to a vote of the electorate. Telluride Town Council and the Telluride Housing Authority will discuss the development further and decide to move forward with the project at its December 13th meeting. This Monday, the Wilkinson Public Library holds its monthly listening club. It's like a book club, but for albums. Suzanne Chevins will lead the November club with her work of choice, Spirit's 1970 album, The Twelve Dreams of Dr. Sardonicus. KOTO News spoke with Chevins about her selection. very emotional connection. It's just for whatever reason, the music reached out, grabbed me by the soul, and it became one of my all-time favorite records. So many changes have all just begun to reap. I know you must sleep. Wait. 
great albums, I think, uh, possess the art, the lost art of album arrangement, song arrangement. The songs arranged in a very specific, intentional way so that they all flow together and have a very exciting starting place, like a story arc, you know, a beginning, a middle, and an end. And this, this album definitely has this. It's not, but it hangs together like a concept album. The songs run together beautifully. Um, it rocks. And there's also some bluesy, jazzy kind of um, outtakes and, and feeling to it. Um, the drummer, Ed Cassidy, is the main guy, Randy California's stepdad. And he was 20 years older than the rest of the band, and he's a jazz drummer. So it's got sort of that sensibility to it and it's it's just very i don't know great songwriting you can't cubbyhole it into just a rock and roll record although that's where it is because it kind of is but um it's got more thoughtfulness more complicatedness to it um songwriting is terrific There's a song on this called Nature's Way, which I always, I think it's the seed of my environmentalism. Um, lots of musical groups and artists in the 70s were um, acutely aware of how the environment was suffering at the hands of human activity. And it was starting to come out in music. Neil Young had some songs. And anyway, this song written by Randy California called Nature's Way um, is just, it's beautiful, it's haunting, and it's a plea to protect the environment, which I took to heart. Our environment is still troubled. In fact, it's more troubled. And science has proven that we are the cause of it. So um, back in the 70s, um, the, the, I think scientists suspected, and I'm not sure as much research had gone down as has had now, um, but anytime, anytime there is a plea to protect this planet we live on, it still matters. It matters a lot, and it probably matters even more than it ever did. Suzanne Trevins will lead the November Listening Club on the 12 Dreams of Dr. Sardonicus on Monday, November 28th from 6 to 7 p.m. at the Telluride Music Company. More information is available at telluridelibrary.org.
Thank you for not asking me who Dr. Sardonicus is. Hey, stop, <laughs> hey, stop that. I'm I'm going to I'm going to look into that. I've always wondered. It's like what's with the title? 12 Dreams of Dr. Sardonicus. Who is Dr. Sardonicus and what were his 12 dreams all about? Maybe I'll find out. A new position at the Telluride Regional Medical Center is looking to make navigating the healthcare field more accessible for those who don't speak English as their first language. KOTO's Gavin McGough has more on the Med Center's Health Access Facilitator. Kali Granita had left Telluride and her work in the medical industry behind when she went home to Argentina to earn a degree as a court interpreter. She then moved to the East Coast and planned to begin a new career. But after a chance run-in with Jimena Rebolledo Leon, a longtime nurse at the Telluride Medical Center, Granita's plans began to change. I was studying in Florida to go to the courts. When I was coming back to Colorado, we, I met with Jimena. No, we met at the airport in Atlanta and we sat together at the plane and she's like, you are the person I have, have been waiting for. I have the job for you in Telluride. Granita is now the Medical Center's bilingual health access facilitator. She is the first person to ever serve in the role. Her work has quickly become crucial as she helps to organize appointments, transportation, billing, and interpretation services for many of the health center's patients. The health system in the state, it's a little crazy. So my role here is to help those patients, English speakers or Spanish speakers, to make appointments, say, in Montrose Memorial, or if they have to go to St. Mary's in Grand Junction, if they have to see a specialist, if they have to find a dentist that is a network with their insurance, stuff like that, that they get, like, they don't know what to do. I do some research, I call and I get them connected and I make the appointments and stuff like that. Navigating the health system is especially difficult for people who speak English as a second language or who are undocumented and therefore uninsured. Challenges accessing health care come to fall acutely on Telluride's immigrant and Latino population. Rebolledo Leon says that witnessing how these challenges affected Telluride's Latino population sparked her efforts to create Granita's position. Think about our immigrant population who is the backbone of this community who without them, we, our doors do not open. The medical center doesn't open. It doesn't get cleaned. You know, like all these pieces that we think about about our essential workforce and our fellow community members if they cannot access medicine at a price that they can afford, then they're hugely problematic. Rebolledo Leon says that the job, beyond being a mere interpreter, is someone who will advocate for their patients in a complicated health system. It's not just a bilingual person. It has to be someone who is willing to get on the phone and plead with specialists for a discount for their undocumented, therefore uninsured patient. Do you know what I mean? is having wherewithal to understand how important it is and fighting for it. In Granita, it seems that the health center has found that person. 
Granita laughs as she recalls her former nickname around the med center offices. Actually, my nickname <laughs> before was Mama Callie because I was always like, oh, they need someone here. Go talk to them. Oh, I know this person here. Maybe they can help you. It's been like, I don't know. When Jimena when said, this is meant for you, I'm like, maybe, maybe it is. Maybe after all these years of knowing people and whatnot. The work of finding resources, connections, and funding for patients extends to all hours of the day, Granita says. Many clinics in the area have no medical interpreters, so that job often falls to her. So, like, for example, um, I have a patient who's been going to Norwood, the, the dentist office there, and when she goes there, they don't have an interpreter, so she calls me. So I go to a room and I interpret for her. Even though she's in Norwood, I mean, I take the extra step. If I'm not busy, obviously, I can do it. For the most part, I've been able to help. But, um, yeah, it doesn't end here. And it's not only 8 to 5. You know, it it goes. Both Granita and Rebolledo Leon say that the position is constantly at risk of losing funding. The Telluride Medical Center makes money largely through reimbursement from insurance companies, so un- and underinsured patients are simply not as lucrative for a medical center always trying to make ends meet. Nevertheless, Rebolledo Leon says that the new position has already had a clear impact. We're scrambling always to fund it, um, but it's, you know, Kali's She's incredible. The, wor- the work that she's been doing, we've seen our mammography rates improve. We've seen our uh, annual physical exam rates improve. Like we are just reaching more of our immigrant patient population and uh, anybody who just needs who needs a little bit more assistance in making things happen. They're also benefiting from this. In the ongoing fight to make the U.S. healthcare system more navigable and equitable, it may be that Granita's work is just a drop in the bucket. But according to Rebolledo Leon, patients across Telluride are already feeling the many, many ripples. Construction on the Pinion Park neighborhood in Norwood is moving into its final phase. The streets are paved, sidewalks are installed, foundations are completed, and the modular build homes are arriving from the factory every day. Rural Homes, an offshoot of the Telluride Foundation working on the project, notes completion of the neighborhood was delayed due to slow factory output and supply chain issues. With that said, the first homes are expected to be craned onto the foundations in mid-December. The Pinion Park neighborhood will consist of 24 homes, a mix of two- and three-bedroom houses, for sale with prices ranging from $225,000 to $400,000. Move-in is targeted to start in January 2023 and will phase in over several months. Early season storms have left snow totals above average throughout much of the western U.S. About 60% of the Colorado River starts as snow in Colorado. That's a water lifeline for more than 40 million people from Wyoming to Mexico. This year's snowpack is off to a good start, but the basin would need years of back-to-back wet conditions to help erase drought. Becky Bollinger is Colorado's assistant state climatologist. We've had a a few rough years, and so to get us back into a a more comfortable spot, we really need above average peak and a nice, slow, sustained melting season in the spring. 
To keep up those higher-than-average totals, Bollinger says the mountains need consistent snow every week until spring. Snowpack in Colorado's western slope is mostly at or above average for this time of year, but the Front Range and eastern plains are just below average. San Miguel County residents receive some of the largest tax refunds in Colorado. That's according to Smart Asset, a financial technology company out of New York. The company divided the total amount of money refunded by the IRS in each county by the number of refunds issued. By those numbers, San Miguel County comes in fifth for the largest tax refunds, with just over 2,500 residents receiving refunds, with refund amounts at about $3,000. Rout, Boulder, Douglas, and Pitkin counties came in above San Miguel for the largest tax refunds, with Pitkin in first place and an average of $3,700 in tax refunds. In Utah, the Park City Lift Maintenance Professional Union has been formed, and it's the first of its kind in the country. KPCW's Michelle Dininger reports. The new union will contain both lift mechanics and electricians and will operate under the United Professional Ski Patrols of America, which is an arm of the Communications Workers of America. About 80% of local workers signed a petition last month in support of unionizing. Tuesday morning, every one of the 43 eligible voters cast ballots to weigh in on the move. Voting wrapped up about 11.30 a.m., and after a quick tally, the union was formed by a 35-6 to vote. Officers will be chosen to head the union in the coming days. Union member Liesl Jenkins, who was active in the effort to unionize, said Tuesday that members were celebrating for the moment but would soon get down to the business of contract negotiations. Park City Mountain Vice President and COO Deidre Walsh said in a statement that the outcome was disappointing, but that she appreciated people taking the time to vote and respected their decision. She said, quote, if the results are certified by the National Labor Relations Board, we will comply with all applicable labor and employment laws and bargain in good faith with the representatives selected by our lift maintenance mechanics and electricians. Either way, we're looking forward to a great season. Michelle Dininger, KPCW News. Steph Davis has climbed some of the most challenging routes on Earth and spends plenty of time airborne as an accomplished base jumper and wingsuit flyer, too. She recently spoke at the Aspen Institute to Reinhold Messer, who was widely considered one of the greatest mountaineers of all times. The talk was called Mountain vs. Human Nature, Sustaining Alpinism as a Way of Life. Kaya Williams spoke with Davis over Zoom about risk, sustainability, and inspiration in the mountains. Do you think that this lifestyle of adventure and risk-seeking in these very large mountainous environments is sustainable or even replicable for other people? Well, I think that's one of the reasons that, I, I mean, I think Reinhold is obviously inspiring to a lot of people. He has been for his entire life and continues to be. And And I think that is a big part of the inspiration is watching someone like him who has been really at the forefront of what I would call some of the most extreme styles of adventure for decade after decade and breaking barriers and setting standards and just being so prolific and then slightly changing directions in the ways that he has done. But he's definitely an example, I think, of somebody who's shown a very highly sustainable approach, even as he's really been on the cutting edge of this very high risk sport that he has chosen to do. Obviously his direction has changed, but the stuff that he has done is 
it's, it's really at the peak of what people do in those venues. So I, I find him a really neat inspiration, an example of that. Do you find that your own direction has changed over the course of your career? I think part of what sustainability has always meant to me has been that you just don't do the exact same thing all the time. Because first of all, in high risk pursuits, if you do the exact same thing all the time, there's this statistical reality where an accident will occur at some number. So there's that piece of it. But then there's also the piece of just the inspiration. And I know for myself, I've always kind of embraced diversity, even within the tiny category of climbing as a climber, because if I just do the same thing all the time, I kind of lose that excitement about it. And so sustainability, you know, it's not just survival. It's also about inspiration and motivation. And for me, that's always meant that you just have to mix it up a little bit. You have to keep things changing. So otherwise it's just all the same thing. And there's a point where it's just not that interesting. And there's a lot of risk and a lot of loss, I would imagine, in living life at the extremes of human performance. How do you navigate that as you continue to move forward and pursue new things? That is such a tough question, you know, because I, I spend so much of my time mitigating risk and managing risk and um, basically just trying to make it so that I do get to keep doing the things that I love doing and keep the risk levels reasonable. If you do spend a lot of your time focusing on risk, it's, it's just this undeniable fact that, you know, humans just don't last forever. <laughs> and that's just part of the deal. But no matter what, for everybody, there is this time and place when you really have to just look at life and realize that it is finite. I think for humans that this is the main thing that we spend really all of our lives trying to come to terms with. And for myself, as somebody that does pursue things that are, you know, potentially more high risk, I think that I have kind of bobbed in and out of that awareness in different ways over time. But ultimately, what it always comes down to for me is, you know, what, why are we here? What's the point of of being here? What's the point of life? And I think the point of it is to live in a way that feels right and feels good, where you're getting better, where you're kind of experiencing everything it has to offer. And, and if you can do that, I mean, that that's what it's all about. So risk is one of these things that I just kind of work with, I assess, I try to reduce, but I also try to not let it hold me back from really living. For someone who isn't a professional adventurer, how can they apply the values and lessons of mountaineering and climbing and alpinism to their own lives? I have found it in my life really interesting that sometimes the qualities that serve you well when you're in the mountains and in kind of life or death situations, those same qualities kind of have to be adjusted <laughs> when dealing with like more um, human-based community or social constructs. What I do think is that learning how to take on really big projects and things that don't have a clear end in sight, and I think you get that from being in the mountains, I think that can really serve you well. Or I found that's, that that has served me well in life that is not in the mountains because sometimes it's just really hard to get going on something that seems big. And then the path is a little unclear and 
there's a lot of sacrifice and a lot of risk and a lot of commitment and you're sort of questioning it and it's taking a very, very long time. I know for myself, when I kind of go down those roads and what I would call maybe more normal life, it's very helpful to be able to say to myself, Hey, you know, this is just like wanting to free El Cap. <laughs> it might take a really long time and you just have to toil away bit by bit. I, I think that has a lot of value. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for a 50% chance of snow showers with mostly cloudy skies and a low around 15 degrees. One inch of snow accumulation is possible. Thursday should be mostly sunny during the day and mostly clear skies at night. The high is near 30 degrees with a low around 15. Friday expects sunny skies with a high in the mid 40s. Friday night should be mostly clear with a low around 25. This has been the news for Wednesday, November 23rd. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206. KOTO News will be off on Thursday and Friday for the Thanksgiving holiday. We will be back with our regularly scheduled news programming on Monday, November 28th. And now, personal commentaries. Hola a todos los fans de Coto. Es el tiempo de inscribirse para un seguro médico y Tri-County Health Network está aquí para ayudarlos a inscribirse por el mercado de Connect for Health. Si aplica entre noviembre 1 y diciembre 15, su cobertura empezará el primero de enero. Si se espera hasta enero 15 para inscribirse, entonces su cobertura va a empezar el primero de febrero. También estamos emocionados de anunciar que este año tenemos la opción de seguro médico OmniSalud. Esto es un nuevo programa que brinda la opción de un seguro médico accesible a la comunidad de inmigrantes en Colorado sin importar su estatus legal. Incluso, personas elegibles pueden tener acceso a un plan premium de $0 por mes con ayuda financiera. La información que comparte con Connect Colorado es confidencial y no puede ser compartida con ninguna agencia federal. Llame a TCH Network al 970-708-7096 para hacer una cita con una de nuestras agentes de cobertura de salud. Hey, Coto listeners, it's open enrollment time, and we at Tri-County Health Network are here to help you sign up for a health insurance plan through Connect for Health Colorado Marketplace. Apply between November 1st through December 15th for a January 1st effective date of coverage, or till January 15th for coverage to start in February. Remember, this is the only time of the year folks can sign up if they want commercial coverage for 2023, unless they have a life-changing event. And we're also excited to announce that new this year is the OmniSalud option. This is a brand new program that provides the opportunity for Colorado's immigrant community to purchase affordable health insurance, regardless of their immigration status, through Colorado Connect. Eligible individuals may even be able to access a $0 per month premium plan with available financial help. Rest assured that all information shared is held confidential and not shared with any federal agency. Call TCHN Network at 970-708-7096 to schedule an appointment with a health coverage guide. Hello, CODA listeners. Wilkinson Public Library and Bright Futures are teaming up to bring you the 2022 Community Baby Shower. Please join us at the library on Sunday, December 11th. We'll kick off the shower at 10 a.m. with brunch, prenatal yoga, CPR and first aid demos, and resources for families and children. We'll end the shower at 12 p.m. 
with a raffle for a variety of prizes. Our baby gear exchange will follow from 12 to 3 p.m., so come take what you need and give what you don't. Good quality gear is welcome. Spanish interpretation will be available throughout the event. See you at the library. Opinions broadcast over KOTO are those of the speakers. You are also invited to express your views after the news or on access each weekday at around 4 p.m. If you would like to comment, please contact a staff person here at KOTO. We encourage you to speak out on important public issues.